And without further ado, I'd like to call Brother Fraser Young to come and preach for us this morning. Again, we thank you for taking the time to be with us. We pray that God will use you this morning. Thank you, preacher. Thank you, uh, choir, and thank you, orchestra, for your practice uh, and the performance. But of course, the performance only comes on the back of the practice. Uh, thank you for practicing, and uh, thank you that EJ wasn't in the choir <laughs> and or the orchestra. Well, it would have been pitiful, but but uh, no, thank you, brother. Thank you for looking after us. Thank you for the invitation um, to. Uh, to come, as we've done for many years now. Thank you to the church for um, your support of the Young family over uh, many, many years. And uh, Robin and I don't take that for granted, your uh, uh, support in prayer and uh, financially for many, many years. But thank you. We really appreciate that. And thank you for your investment in the Lord's work. That's a real blessing. And, and we don't take that for granted. Uh, well, happy Australia Day. Um, my phone down there somewhere. I was going to read you something here. Uh, <clears throat> what, what will we do without a phone? Uh, most probably we do all right, but... Uh, <clears throat> Australia. Um, we're all Aussies. Well, there could be a few visitors here, that's all right. But we're all Aussies, whether you were... Uh, Born, um, born here or not born here, whether you've arrived here three weeks ago or um, actually we were talking about, um, in fact I was talking to Robin before on the way to church and I said, should I give them some more stories of my family? She said, no. <laughs> They've heard them all. Um, so then Robin suggested, why don't we tell them about her family? But you see the Powell family, Robin was a Powell, a Powell, of, uh, I think, Welsh and Irish descent. Um, but unlike the Young family, the Powells were free settlers. So they were fairly unremarkable. Um, in fact, I don't know much about my wife's side of the family. They were just normal Aussies. My side of the family's convict, criminals, you know. In, in actual fact, well, you say in actual fact, I think this is the history. My great, great, great grandfather uh, actually, my great-great-grandfather was a, a fellow called William Young, which is where I get my name from. But his father-in-law was a fellow called Richard Mills. Richard Mills arrived into Port Jackson here, Sydney, Sydney Cove, in 1800 on the convict ship Elizabeth. And history records that Richard Mills was a highwayman in England. Now, a highwayman is not a lollipop man standing out in the road directing horse traffic. No, he was a robber, and uh, he would um, uh, wait by the highway, and um, he would rob people for some reason, and uh, he got uh, caught and deported to Australia, and, um, and eventually um, got his pardon, 
And thankfully his daughter, what was her name? Harriet. His daughter Harriet married William Young, who himself was a convict, and, uh, and they settled out in uh, the Bathurst area. And uh, if you go up to Bathurst, even today, there's a, like a settler's park down by the Macquarie River, and you will find a little plaque there. There's, I think there's a hundred or a couple of hundred of the, of the names of the early settlers, and one of those plaques is to Richard Mills and his wife, Anne Langley. Um, and uh, when they went across the Blue Mountains, out here, um, the, under Governor Macquarie, they gave out ten parcels of land, like ten little farms. And uh, there were five for free settlers and there were five for um, freed convicts. And uh, Richard Mills got one of those ten land grants. Now, Bathurst is the oldest inland settlement in Australia. You had uh, uh, at least white settlement. You had Sydney Cove and then you had Parramatta and Windsor. And then they went over the Blue Mountains down to Bathurst. So it's pretty old place. Bathurst is an old town. Uh, I think 1815 it was, uh, yeah, 1815 it was pronounced a city so, or a settlement, so it's over 200 years old. But, um, uh, but they were convicts. So as I always say, check, check your pockets if you come near me on your way out, okay? <laughs> We've got convict blood. But Robin's side of the family, they were free settlers, most probably upper crust type, you know, they came from Bankstown, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, yeah, check that your car's locked. But anyway, um, uh, um, but uh, we, don't, we just don't know as much about her. Um, actually, your grandfather was a bookmaker, wasn't he? Yes. In fact, your father was a bookmaker. <laughs> so, um, so there you go. But it's, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm glad I'm Aussie. I mean, you can't help where you're born, eh? You just can't help that. You have no say in the matter. Um, as they say, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. But um, someone said, you know you're Aussie when you can abbreviate almost every word, usually ending in O, as in Arvo, Garbo, Servo, Rego, Davo. <laughs> I don't know why we do that. And of course, if you're a Queenslander, you end every sentence in A. <laughs> a. You're going up. You're going down to Sydney. A. I don't know why Queenslanders do that, but anyway, Queenslanders are a bit strange. You, I'm sorry. Get to. <laughs> you know a place called Whoop Whoop, and it's always in the middle of nowhere, wherever you are. Uh, you believe that the term mate is perfectly acceptable for any bloke whose name you can't remember. <laughs> Isn't it good to have mate? Yeah. I mean, the Americans most probably say sir when you can't remember. Do you forget names or is it just me? Uh, of course, when it's a lady, it's a little bit, a little bit harder when you forget their name. But <laughs> um, you know you're an Aussie when you say no worries quite often, whether you're aware of it or not. You say no worries? I do, all the time. You know the first verse of the National Anthem, but you still aren't sure what the term girt means. <laughs> girt. Um, <clears throat> rhymes with dirt. Sausage rolls and meat pies rule, but sauce is obligatory, of course. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we have a, a unique... Uh, and I think, I think us Aussies, we do like to laugh. We like to laugh at others but we do like to laugh at ourselves. I, don't, I think that's why Aussies and Canadians and, and Irish get on so well, because we don't take ourselves seriously. 
Some countries do take themselves seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously, and that's and that, I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm thankful to the Lord. I was born here and, and uh, grew up here. And um, <clears throat> I know our country is changing, for the, for the, not for the better. But thankfully, the Lord is coming back. And he's going to fix this world up. This world is, is uh, uh, as, as, as they used to say, you ain't seen nothing yet. This world has got to go through some really dark times, according to the Bible. But the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back. I was, we were walking back from um, the, uh, the shops yesterday and I said to Robin, you, 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 look, you despair sometimes when you look at Australia. You despair. You think, what is happening to our country? Uh, but I said to Robin, I said, you wait till the millennium. And the Bible says, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Can you imagine that? I don't know whether there'll be television in the millennium or internet or, or um, you know, Facebook. I don't know if that'll be around. I imagine it won't be. But if it was, every time you turn on the television or turn on the radio, or it'll be all about the Lord. What's the Lord Jesus Christ doing today? How good is the Lord? Let's praise the Lord. The earth is going to be full of the glory of the Lord. That'll be some time. That'll be a wonderful time. But uh, <clears throat> the worldly philosophy is, is not good at the moment. Let's take our Bibles, please. Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to just give you a, a very brief outline. I'm not quite... This is one of these messages. I haven't preached this before, and I'm not exactly sure how it's going to end or how it's even going to go. But the Lord's spoken to me through this over recent last couple of days. So I'm going to give you a couple of verses here and make a few comments and then we'll, I think we've got uh, lunch on the way. We always enjoy our sausage, sausage sandwich on Australia Day. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. I want us to focus in on that <clears throat> little word there in verse 8, the word spoil. And uh, look at that word for a few moments this morning. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Uh, for the beautiful day. Dear Lord, we thank you for the country that you've given to us and at this very time we are still a free country and Lord, there are many places around the world where people cannot do what we are doing right now and worshipping and praising you and teaching from your word and beholding the truth and teaching the truth. And Lord, they are forced underground and they are uh, persecuted. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have. But Lord, we are wary and we are vigilant and aware of what is happening in our, in our time. But Lord, through all this, we give you thanks and praise, and we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us and, and lives today. We pray that you'll bless us as we look at your word for a few moments. I pray for the empowering of the Spirit of God, and teach us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Postmodern religion, someone has written, acknowledges and accepts different versions of truth. 
For example, rituals, beliefs, practices can be invented, transformed, created, and reworked based on constantly shifting and changing realities, individual preferences, myths, legends, archetypes, rituals, cultural values, and beliefs. We are in what is called the postmodern age, where everything seems to be relative. The prophet Isaiah spoke in chapter 29. He said, Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honour me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. So much of what Christians believe and practice today comes from human philosophy, philosophy from the social media, from the news industry, from worldly friends and so on. And so that there's, an, there's an image or a type of Christianity out there, but it's so far removed and it's becoming further and further removed from the truth of God's word. Paul said to Timothy this way, he said, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. I want us to look at verse 8 here just for a few moments as I mentioned this morning. Colossians 2 verse 8 where the apostle writes to the church at, 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 at Colossae and he says, Beware lest any man spoil you. Beware lest any man spoil you. Now, what does the word spoil mean? Now, in, in English here, we, this, I can think of several uh, ways in which the word spoil is used. If you spoil someone uh, for a birthday, you, you lavish gifts upon them. Um, that's you, you, someone can be spoilt, or you can actually uh, spoil a child by giving them too much. Um, <clears throat> and then spoil can also mean to go bad or to to um, decompose. We uh, when we were first married uh, back in 1983, we lived in a large, an old, large caravan in Granville South. And we lived at the back of a, an old lady from the church we were at at the time and, and that was all we could afford, just an old, was it a, I think it was a Millard caravan. It was a big old thing and it was hot in the summer. But I remember we went away from it for a trip for, a, was, it, was it a week or so or a couple of weeks and, and the old, she was a dear old lady. She thought that she'd save a bit of power and so uh, she unplugged the power when we were away. But, of course, we had a fridge full of food in there in the, in the caravan. So you imagine, after two weeks away, getting back to a fridge in the middle of summer inside a caravan that had not been switched on. You can imagine that that food was spoiled. It <laughs> uh, wasn't good. But there is another uh, <clears throat> definition of spoiled, and this is what it means, and this is basically what it means here in chapter 2 and verse 8. Spoil means to be overrun in battle, to have your possessions carried away, to loot the spoils of war, to strip, to plunder or to rob. And this is the meaning here. When, uh, <clears throat> when, when, even in Bible times, when, when an enemy was defeated, the, the army would go through and they would spoil the enemy. In other words, they would strip their, their gold and their jewellery and horses and clothing and whatever. So this is the meaning here, that it's possible for Christianity to be plundered or robbed or pillaged. 
And Paul is saying this to the church at Colossae. He said, listen, beware, you, 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 you can easily be spoiled, you can be pillaged. You can have the, the truth taken away from you. And we can learn a few things from this this morning. This is, there's four, four quick points here this morning. This is how we can be spoiled, and we can be spoiled today the same way. Here's the first way. He said, you can be spoiled, you can be pillaged or, or plundered, you can have the truth taken away from you by philosophy. Philosophy. Now, evidently, there was uh, a problem with a, a group of people in, 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 in the day called the Gnostics. The Gnostics. And... Uh, these Gnostics, there's, there's, there's all sorts of views on what the Gnostics actually believed. But they believed definitely some of these things. They taught that, that God could not come into contact with the material world. They, the, Gnostic, the Gnostics said, yeah, there is a God, but he's, he's not in contact with us mere people. But of course, Jesus said in, uh, 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 the Lord taught here through Paul in Colossians 1, Verse 19, that it pleased the Father that in him, that's Jesus, should all fullness dwell. And then verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So he, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, the Apostle Paul basically hit these uh, Gnostics for six. He said, no, no, God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why they call Jesus the God-man, because he was 100% God and he was 100% man. In fact, John put it this way, he said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then the Gnostics believed that uh, God, not have, uh, God didn't create the world himself, but he worked through angels and, and lesser spirits. But of course, Paul corrects this in Colossians 1 verse 15. He said, Who is the image of the invisible God, that's Jesus, the firstborn of every creature, for by him, that's Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Paul said, No, God came to, God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ and God created everything there is. And that Jesus is the creator because Jesus is God. And then Gnosticism taught that God didn't deal directly with man, but, he used, but, but God used mediators. Well, <clears throat> the Bible says that there's one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus, verse 19. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. There's one mediator, and that's Jesus Christ. And then, of course, Gnostics believe that uh, uh, these mediators were angelic beings, and they would, and some of them evidently were worshiping these angels. And again, Apostle warns them in uh, chapter two and verse eighteen: "Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels." So there was this this philosophy. <clears throat> coming into the church at Colossae and God had to inspire Paul to say, no, this is wrong. Worldly philosophy. You know, the truth is always being pillaged, even today. The truth is being pillaged. The philosophy of the world and the philosophy and the ways of Satan are diluting the faith of many. Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. You know, the devil always has his counterfeits. 
You know, what does the Bible say? <clears throat> In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Six days. Six days. And the evening and the morning were the first day and the second day and the third day and so on. Well, of course, Satan's counterfeit is what? Evolution. That, that, uh, and, and some well-meaning Chris, Christians believe God used evolution. <clears throat> that doesn't make any sense. You either believe the Bible or it doesn't or you don't. When I went through high school, the world was supposedly 4.5 billion years old. Now I think it's up to about 12 billion. I suppose in another 20 years it'll be 20 billion and 30 billion because it's always changing. Because fairy stories always change. You know, God created man in his own image and you can see what, what's happening now with the confusion as to gender. It's one of Satan's counterfeits. God said there's marriage between a man and a woman. And you can see what's happening now uh, with um, homosexual marriage. It's basically man saying, shaking their fist in God's face and saying, no, no, this is our philosophy, this is what we are going to do. And really it's the counterfeit of Satan. God created music. So what did Satan do? There's a counterfeit. God ordained the local church and and the church actually means called out from the world. But there's a counterfeit now. It says, well, we need to get closer and closer to the world. And we can go on, and I'm sure you're aware of all these, Satan's counterfeits. Masquerading as philosophy. We are not ignorant of his devices. Our faith is not based on philosophy, but on the direct revelation of God, which is his word. So he said, you can be spoiled through the philosophy, through philosophy of man, which is really Satan's counterfeits. And then he said, look, there's something else. You can be spoiled, you can be robbed or pillaged, your truth can be gone through vain deceit or being deceived. And again, Satan is a deceiver. And we are not ignorant of his strategies. Now I've, I've borrowed this little outline. I'll give it to you in just a few seconds. What are Satan's strategies? And you can most probably add to these. Number one, Satan is the father of lies. He's a liar. Jesus said, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. So Satan deals, as the deceiver, he deals in lies. And then secondly, he blinds the minds of unbelievers and hides that which is true. 2 Corinthians 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. That's why if you people that aren't Christians don't understand God's ways, because their minds are blinded. Then thirdly, he masquerades in costumes of light and righteousness. 2 Corinthians 11, no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. Fourthly, Satan does signs and wonders. 2 Thessalonians 2, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and, and wonders, lying wonders. Fifthly, Satan tempts people to sin. He led Jesus up into the wilderness where he was tempted. Sixthly, Satan plucks the word of God out of people's hearts. When they've heard, Satan cometh immediately, taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Set number seven, Satan causes some sickness and disease. Uh, and, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan hath bound, 
18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. Satan, number eight, is a murderer. Jesus said to the, the, the religious leaders, ye are of your father the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. Satan works against missionaries. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Satan had special hindering of missionaries. And I suppose we could put pastors in there. You're doing God's work, Satan doesn't like that. So always be, be aware of that when, when you're praying for missionaries and, and praying for pastors and church planters and so on and evangelists. Be aware that Satan doesn't like that and he will hinder them. He hates it when the gospel is spread. That's one of his ways. And then Satan accuses Christians before God. Revelation 12 verse 10, he is the accuser of the brethren. We live in a world where, where Satan is deceiving so many. You can just see it, can't you? You can see the world today. You can see Australia today. We're in a frenzy of sin. We're in a downward spiral of sin. And as has been often said, I think Satan knows that uh, his time is short. His end is coming. The lake of fire is coming for Satan. But he knows his time is short. And so he, he is deceiving as many as he can. And Paul said, listen, you can even be deceived as a Christian. through the deceivings of Satan, through the philosophy of the world. Thirdly, he says you can be spoiled, you can have the truth plundered, you can have it robbed through the tradition, after the tradition of men. Now we won't go into this, but you can read the rest of Colossians 2 there. The, uh, the, there, was, there, were, there, were, there were groups of Jewish Christians and they were influ in, influenced by some that said, listen, you, you shouldn't eat this or you shouldn't eat that or you shouldn't eat that. And the apostle said, no, we're not under those. We're under a New Testament now. We're under a new covenant or the observance of particular days. Verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day and so on. And then there's this thing called the rudiments of the world. There's philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men, the rudiments of the world. It's interesting that rudiment word rudiment, rudiments of the world there the noun basically means the first principles of or it could mean the fundamental elements and what it would have meant in those days or what it could have meant in those days was the basic elements of the earth as in the, the wind, the water, the air, the sun and, and they used to in those days worship the elements, the rudiments of the world. And isn't it interesting that in this day and age we have a, uh, we have a new religion out there, the worship of the, of the world. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't look after the world. God has given us this planet to live in. We can be blessed by it. God's provided for us. And I'm sure we must not abuse the world, but we don't worship it. And there's this massive, uh, and it's an ever-growing religion out there which is worshipping the world and the things in the world. I've heard numerous comments, and you most probably have too, just this year, just in recent weeks, and, and I'm just paraphrasing these comments, but they're saying this, if only we could get rid of the people off the world. If we could get rid of all the humans, we could just let the world be. We could let the animals be. We could let the oceans be, and the trees, and the birds, and the dirt. 
if we could just get rid of people. You, have you ever heard comments like that? I've heard numerous comments like that. We just need to get rid of the people. Of course, the people who say that are not going to volunteer. <laughs> it's always yes, but, but not me. Yeah, let's, let's get rid of the world. Let's reduce the population, but, but not me. <laughs> it's for everyone else. It's a worshipping of the elements. Nothing's new, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Well, how can we keep from being spoiled? Let me read to you. Keep there in uh, Colossians 2. Let me read a, read a verse here from Proverbs for you. Proverbs 19 and verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. How do we keep from being spoiled? I'll show you. Look here. Um, verse number six of Colossians 2. As ye, number one, we walk in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We are to walk with Jesus Christ. We are to walk with him. We are to walk in him. He was with us. Those of us who are saved, those of us who are born again, he is in us. He will never leave us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hey, that's, that's a good thing, to, a good principle to think of when you're tempted. Jesus is with me, the indwelling Christ. The indwelling Christ is with me. That way I have, I have his power to live the Christian life the way I should. And if I live after the world, that means he's got to live through that with me. Because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We are to walk in Christ. And then verse 7 says, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught. We are, to, we are to know what we believe. And we should be able to defend that faith to others. In fact, Peter put it this way. He said, you should be able to give a reason of the hope that's in you. So are we serious about being established in the faith? If someone was to come up to you, young person, and say, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? Could you tell them? What do you believe about the Christian life? Could you tell them? Oh, um, uh, here's EJ's number. <laughs> Ring him. <laughs> oh, here's pastor's number. Uh, just, just ring him. No, we all should be able to give a reason for the hope that's in us. That's called being established in the faith. It's not just sitting here in church of a Sunday like a store dummy and then going home and forgetting all about it. No, it's, it's, it's taking it in. It's reading the Bible for yourself every day. It's studying the Bible. We have so many shallow Christians. They don't know what they believe. You should know what you believe and you should be able to communicate that to someone else. You say, do you know everything? No, you don't know everything. But you should know the fundamentals of the faith. There's no excuse for not knowing that. Yeah. I mean, you know that we know the cricket score and we know who's in our footy team and we know the politics of the day and this, that and the other. We need to be established in the faith need to get serious about the Word of God. That would be a good uh, resolution for the new year, to get serious about the Word of God. 
Hey, did you read your Bible this morning? Oh, you're going to start that next week. Okay. It's Australia Day. Establishing the faith. In verse 7, how else can we avoid being spoiled, being having the truth plundered from us? <clears throat> being thankful, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And then lastly, verse number 10. Uh, ye are complete in him. Realize that we are complete in Christ. Realize that, hey, we are accepted in the beloved. We don't have to, if you are saved, if you know Christ is your saviour, you don't have to do anything You are already accepted in the beloved. You are complete in him. You're a child of God. We don't have to wait to become a child of God. We are children of God. That's if you're saved, if you're born again. Folks, the truth, the truth is so muddied today. Now, we know what the truth is. You know what we need to do? We need to take that truth and and stick by it. And we need to take that truth to a, a needy country. It's not popular. It is not popular. I don't think it ever was popular to be a Christian, but it's definitely not popular to be a Christian now. It is not a popular thing. But you know, we we need some young people and we need some young adults. In fact, we need some old people and mums and dads and kids that are not ashamed to say, yes, I, I know what the truth of God's word is. I'm established in the faith. And I'm going to walk with God. And, and even if I cop it for being a Christian, I'm going to give thanks. Because I realise it doesn't matter what someone else thinks, I am complete in Christ. I am complete in Christ. Now I know we've got that thing called sanctification. God's still working on me, but I am complete in Christ. I am forgiven. I am adopted. I am blessed. Go and read the book of Ephesians. We have the truth. We are in the tiny minority. You know, we often get this, um, and I've, I've said it myself most, probably many times, we need to go and reach Australia for Christ. Well, look, most Australians aren't going to be saved. Jesus said, look, the broad way goes to destruction and hell. The little skinny, narrow way goes to life. Few there be that find it. We know that that is, that is the reality of the situation. But people will still be saved. We can still reach people. We can influence our generation with the truth. That's our job. Young people, young adults, it's your job to influence your generation. They don't listen to me anymore. I'm an old geezer. It's your job to reach your generation with the truth of God's word. It's your job to walk in Christ and to walk with him. It's your job to give thanks. It's your job to be grounded in the faith. That's your job. It's my job to reach my generation, to try and reach those that I can. Maybe we can't reach millions, but we can reach some. There's hardly any, there's hardly any independent Baptist churches in Australia. I mean, there's a few. We saw it this morning. That was great, that little graphic you put up brother it was fantastic the information was great but it's sad because what 26 million people and just a handful of churches it 
maybe this has got nothing to do with the sermon, but I'm going to say it anyway. Maybe God has put his hand, the Spirit of God has put his hand on someone and it, or he's putting his hand on someone because it doesn't always happen just in an instant. But maybe there's a young man here and <clears throat> you know God's called you to be a church planter or a missionary somewhere. And as we've often said, you know where the mission field is these days? You don't have to go anywhere. The mission field has come to us. Everywhere you go around Sydney, there's high-rise buildings going up. People just flooding in from overseas. God has actually brought, we have no excuse. God has brought the mission field. I'm not saying you shouldn't go overseas to the mission field because I'm sure that's in other countries as well. And if you need to do that, that's wonderful. I'm all for it. But we have no excuse because God has brought the mission field to us. And maybe there's just one person here in this building this morning and God has touched your life and is moving in your heart and saying, I want you in my service. I want you in my service. And this Australia Day, 2020, this would be a wonderful time for you to say, yes, that's me. I'm going to get trained for the ministry. I'm going to sacrifice whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, I'm going to sacrifice that to follow God's leading on my life. I'll finish with this story. You've most probably heard it before. It might have gone over time. Sorry, brother. If the sausages are burnt, it's my fault. I was telling a few of the fellas earlier on at that morning tea, I finished school at Arthur Phillip High School here in 1979. I went to work at Hawker de Havilland and uh, at Bankstown Airport. I think from memory there possibly was 400 or so applicants and just a couple of us, a handful of us got accepted. I had a career, this amazing career path. Uh, I would have, after six years I would have had a trade as an an airframe mechanic and also a degree in production engineering, all cost paid by Hawker de Havilland. And I was there for a couple of months and And I love the practical side of it, Um, you know, drilling rivets and working on aircraft parts and so on. But my heart wasn't in it. So I resigned after a couple of months and I went to work at the Sydney Water Board. And I remember telling my old maths teacher um, that I'd left and and she didn't say I was crazy, but I I could almost see her thinking, you are crazy. You're giving up this incredible career path. Went to work for Sydney Waterboard, was there for two years, started doing accounting. And I am a financial dummy. I just did not get it. And I was so bored. And I lasted two years there, started doing accounting, and oh, it wasn't for me. But I remember exactly where I was. It was October 1981. We had a youth camp at Lane Cove River National Park. And a fellow named Gerald Tidy, he's with the Lord now, he's preaching that day, and he said, I forget what the sermon was about. He said, God's got his hand on someone here that he wants to be a preacher. And I knew God had been working on my life for a couple of years. And he said, if that's you, I want you to surrender. So I did a walk down the aisle. I said, here I am. I'm the one you're talking about. I said, all right, well, here I am. What do I do? He said, well, you need to get trained. It just so happened. And the very next couple of months from there, they started a brand new Bible college here in Borkham Hills, which is out there. I said, well, count me in. I did four years there. Met a young lady named Robin Powell there who started college the same year. That was 
1982. That's 38 years ago. And this month, what are we? January. This is the start of our 30th year in evangelism, full-time evangelism. And I don't say that to give any glory to me, but I give all glory to God for keeping us going that long. If God's put it upon your heart to say, yes, I'm going to sacrifice whatever, whatever I need to in order to influence others with the truth of God's word. And that's what ministry is all about. We want to influence others with the truth of God's word, not the philosophy of man. Maybe maybe a he, it may be a she. I remember, I remember before we were married, I think we were engaged, but I remember, and I think I'm right in saying this, I remember saying to Robin, God wants me to be an evangelist and I have no idea what that means. We'll most probably not have any money for, you know, many, many years because I've heard stories about what other fellas have done. So I said, you better make sure of all this before, before you marry me. And I remember Robin, uh, on our wedding day, she... She had the, the wedding vows altered to include Ruth's little speech from the book of Ruth. Your God will be my God. And wherever you go, I'm going to follow you. And that's what she's done now for 37 years. Because it takes a special woman to be an evangelist wife. Very, very special woman. You say, well, you're poor. <clears throat> I don't go into all that stuff. God just supplies our needs. You say, it's a bit scary. Yeah, a bit scary. Sometimes you get down to the last tin of beans <laughs> especially when the kids were little because they eat a lot of beans. But God always met every need. Put God to the test. Don't be spoiled by the philosophy of the world. And if God's spoken to your heart this morning, bit of a bit of a Bible study this morning, bit of a strange sermon maybe. Bit of one of those outlines that I'm never quite sure where it's going to end. But maybe God's speaking to someone this morning and maybe there's someone here this morning and you don't know that you are a Christian. You cannot say you are complete with, in Christ because you don't know Jesus Christ as your saviour. My friend, he died for you. You are a sinner. You deserve hell. But Jesus became sin for you. He was buried. He rose again. He's alive today. And he will save you if you come to him in faith and say, yes, Jesus, I believe you died for me please come into my life be my savior let's have all heads bowed and eyes closed and in just a moment i'll have brother to come and however you want to close the service brother that's fine but while heads are bowed and eyes are closed maybe there's someone here this morning and you would say preacher i don't know that i am a christian I know I haven't actually preached a gospel message this morning, but maybe there's someone here you'd say, Preacher, I don't know that I'm a Christian, but I would like to have Christ as my Saviour. I would like to have Jesus in my life. Oh, I've got some questions about becoming a Christian. Hey, if that's you this morning, this is what I'd like you to do. Heads about and eyes are closed. I'd like you to respond to the message this morning. This is how I'd like you to do it. Just put your hand up in the air and put it down again. Is there one person you'd say, Preacher, that's me. I don't know I'm a Christian, but I'd like to know a bit more about becoming a Christian. Putting your hand up is not going to make you a Christian. I understand that. You're just responding to the message, and I will include you in the closing prayer. 
Or maybe we could have someone sit down with you and open the Bible and show you how you can be saved. Is there some person here this morning? You say, preacher, I don't know that I am a Christian, that I'm a born-again believer, but I would like to know more about that this morning. Is there one person here? I'm sure there is, but whether one person wants to respond, I don't know. Here's your opportunity. Maybe there's someone here, a young adult, young, a teenager, or maybe it's an older person. And God's spoken to your heart about serving God and surrendering to do what God wants you to do. Understand, most of us will not be evangelists and pastors and church planners and missionaries. Understand that. But God does put his hand on, on people's lives. And maybe there's someone here this morning you'd say, Preacher, that's me. That's me. I need to use my life to influence others with the truth of the Word of God. Maybe there's someone here this morning you'd say, Preacher, that's me. Would you pray for me? Quickly put that hand up. Is there someone here? You'd say, Preacher, that's me. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of God's Word. Dear Lord, bless Australia. Lord, uh, you've said in your Word to pray for the Lord of the harvest to raise up labourers. And that is what we pray this morning. Please, Lord, preserve our country, Father. Bless our country, Father. Thank you for the truth of your word. Bless the hymn that is to follow. However, it's, the meeting is closed in Jesus' name. Amen.